We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Welcome to another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast, where we are dedicated to your success. On today's program, we're going to be talking about using slang, abbreviations, and all of that other good stuff y'all seem to write every time you get involved in uh, writing business emails, talking in business, or what have you. So, Let me bring you guys in, Patricia and Daniel, as we see so much happening in the world today. So many people have started writing LOL to business emails, and that was something that came from the personal side many, many years ago. We've seen so much of the English language seem to change overnight, but really not. What are you guys seeing in terms of how that is in your neck of the woods, as Al Roker says, and how is that impacting what you're thinking about people when they're writing in those regards or when they say, you're welcome, Y-O-U-R, things along those lines, which, you know, not to be the grammar police here, but... It's Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Different story, though. Uh, what are you guys thinking with then? How does that shape your impression of the person doing it, unless you're doing it yourself? Uh, well, so many people are on mobile devices these days, and these mobile devices have this, you know, um, drunk little creature inside of it that likes to change what we wrote. <laughs> right and in you know it really used to bother me and and sometimes it might it depends on the context but if i'm if i know i'm communicating with somebody via mobile i don't even see it anymore i know what they mean i just chalk it up to you know that drunk autocorrect If it's on a sales page or in, um, you know, a book that maybe I bought, you know, then it might reflect on their, um, their editor, their, their editing capacity. (laughs) Um, And I might, you know, if I notice it, then I might think something, but I don't know. It, it, it kind of depends on the context that I'm in. You know, and this is kind of an interesting topic that we've chosen. Um, I was just having a conversation with my daughter recently. She had to read a book for an English project and uh, she claims the book was written in old English. 
uh, you know, it was only written a hundred years ago, but <laughs> she claims that's old English. Old English to me. <laughs> she yeah. did not understand the uh, the words that were being used. Uh, she did not understand the syntax of the sentences that were being used. And so and this is a hundred years ago, uh, you know, you or I might read this book and we might say, oh, well, you know, uh, from a hundred years ago, I understand those words. I understand the syntax. I can still put that together. Yeah. Uh, being an adult, I'm familiar with that. Uh, but it was completely new to her. And it reminded me that um, there was a book I read a while ago, and I'm going to butcher the title of it now. I think the, the name of the book is A Framework for Understanding Poverty, and you're going to think this is really strange, um, but one thing that the book talked about was levels of language and how language is used at different socioeconomic statuses in society, mm -hmm. uh, but we range everywhere from an ultra-formal to a you know, and ultra formal, I mean, like, like contract, like legalese kind of stuff that that level of language is at the top, then we've got formal language, we've got informal language, ranging all the way down to slang, and, and everything in between. And so the author was saying in every language around the world, there exists these five levels of formality in our language. And so it's kind of interesting that we're talking about this topic today about people's general writing and in business writing. And what about in copywriting for crying out loud? Some of these, <laughs> <laughs> some of these landing pages I've seen lately. Oh my like, God. Yeah. Did you graduate elementary? <laughs> well, but, and on the other hand, you got to write it regardless of what socioeconomic status you're writing for especially if you're writing a sales page you've got to still write it like they're you know at least an eighth grader absolutely patricia this because is exactly the words get too big yeah. even though we know what the words mean we have to stop and think about it and if we have to stop and think about it then you cut your flow and it's you know kind of a death knell to whatever you're trying to sell Right, exactly. And so choosing not only uh, a language or a writing style that could be easily digested, like on a sales page, uh, but of course, we talk about news articles too, something that's quickly digestible. But then when we're talking about sales copy, and back to one of our great topics we love to discuss, who is your audience? Who are you writing to? Now, I naturally sit down and I tend to... I, I don't know. It, it just flows for me. I, I tend to write at a, a very high level. And I was telling my daughter um, how funny it is. I actually had to find, I, I downloaded an application for my computer called Hemingway, which is designed to help you write shorter sentences, shorter words <laughs> to, to write for, like Patricia was saying, for that eighth grade or even lower reading level. And I have to put all of my writing into that application. Otherwise, I tend to write at a 12th or above uh, <laughs> grade reading level. And my daughter just looked at me like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> How can that be a problem for you? 
You mean you don't write like Beowulf style? <laughs> well, not quite that old. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, again, this goes back like Daniel, you were just saying, who's your audience, right? So if you're talking to queens and teens, talking like the way that they do is certainly normal. But let me give you another example, though. Instagram, right? Instagram, you've got the gram, you've got Insta, you've got IG, you've got Instagram. There's so many different ways of saying it, but it really is going to come down to, well, what exactly is it that you're trying to say that you're offering? Like if you're offering IG help, right? Are you offering the help in Instagram? Are you offering in an IG, in Insta? What is it that you're actually doing? Because that kind of then becomes how old do you know the platform also if the lingo surrounding the platform is in such a way that is not necessarily like, oh, yeah, you know, my mom is trying to get on Instagram. You know, if my mom was trying to do something on Instagram, she's going to say it's Instagram. She's not going to say Insta or the gram or IG or whatever else. And if she does say the gram, she's probably not referring to Instagram. So, yeah, you know, it depends so, on who you're targeting, you know. Right. So again, you kind of run into those questions. Also, do you use the vernacular that the people in the know are using? And that becomes a question also in terms of how you write in terms of what you do and things like that too. So it's not just who you're writing for, it's who you're trying to show your experience also potentially as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So as we look then at where things are going with the way that we talk about products, programs, the way that we write, the way that we text. I mean, when you're texting people, um, common etiquette today is, in texting anyway, is do not end a text with punctuation. Because you're being you rude period, and assaulted, right. and oh my god, yeah, Wait, absolutely, right. If you put Seriously. a period at the end of the text, it's period end of sentence. I'm not continuing this conversation, and so etiquette in texting has become: do not put a period at the end of a text. And so there's a lot of these issues, and um, the three of us know a certain uh, mentor of ours whose mom when she texts him, doesn't even put spaces in between the words. And so <laughs> you end up having a, you know, whatever. And you have to actually kind of figure out what the. What she's talking are. about in order to read it. Right. And it gets interesting when you're looking at that, but you're thinking though, really, what is it that we're trying to get at? Ultimately, we're trying to get people to understand what it is that we're offering them what we're trying to get across and how it can make a difference to their particular situation. So now as a service-based business, as a product-based business, do you think that makes a difference then in terms of grammar, in terms of the way that we talk, or is it people are more interested in the instant gratification now and we kind of have a lower 
bar, if you will, in terms of what to actually expect from people when we are in that written or spoken word, or is it just tell me what it needs and that's all I care about? You know, I think it's a mixed bag, Jennifer. I think um, on the one hand, I, I think we've gotten so used to autocorrect and text slang and, and other things like that, that on the one hand, people are getting lazy with their writing. So we see grammar mistakes. We see spelling mistakes frequently. Uh, <clears throat> On the other hand, and so I think people are getting used to that. On the other hand, then I think are people who just have basically thrown up their hands, kind of thrown in the towel and said, I'm tired of fighting it. There's no use correcting people. <laughs> I'm just going to have to fill in the gaps. I'm going to have to, in my brain, I'm going to have to switch out the correct word um, and, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. So for some people, I think that uh, that can be a barrier when it comes to purchasing services or products. Um, I know for myself, if it's someone that I don't know really well, and I see the spelling and the grammar mistakes, I'm going to have second thoughts about working with them. You know, I kind of wonder if this is how they write, how do they do the rest of their work? Now, for people, there are people that I have gotten to know really well, and I consider their opinion and their information to be extremely valuable, and I am so much more willing to overlook all of their typos and their grammar mistakes and everything else, because what they have to say is so valuable to me. You know, another thought just popped in my head here, too, um, coming from a teaching background, we're potentially talking about even uh, theory of multiple intelligence here. Um, some people are just not good spellers. <laughs> and I'm going to pick on my grandfather, who happens to no longer be with us, um, but he was just not a good speller, even though he was an educator for a very long time for his entire career, uh, was affiliated with the education um, industry, but he could not spell. He did not understand syntax, um, but, you know, people are intelligent in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. Well, and, and, you know, in the same light, there are certain, I suppose it's a syntax error that I see a lot of people make, and I see more and more people making it to now. When we talk about American money, we say, I'll say $50. But people write it that way. They write the 50 and then the dollar sign. And immediately, it, 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 it so totally turns me off that I can't take them seriously. Especially if we're talking about money, business, finances, you know. No. I think just... that, though, has a difference because some foreign uh, currencies, you do write it that way. Some so do. Not that uh, I'll give you that. Shows in the start, right? But these and are so, Americans, people who not, should know better. You're right. <laughs> Adults but, in business, and if you do that, right. then it's very difficult for me to consider doing business with you. I mean, it gets, you know, complicated. Also, and this is 
you know, a situation that I just had myself last week. Uh, I was talking with someone, and he's in New Zealand, and I sent him, well, you know, because we were trying to schedule a meeting, and I said, what about, you know, the week of the, uh, what was it? I think it was one, uh, 1227, something like that. And he didn't understand it because it was different. And he said, well, I'm trying to understand it, but I'm not really <laughs> sure. And then what day of the week does that actually start? You know, if it's like in the middle of the week, does that work or does it not work? Whatever it might be. And so a lot of these things, you know, become questionable when we're trying to really figure out exactly what it is that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And so when we're dealing with people here in the United States, like you were just mentioning, there's that question, well, are they American? And do they understand the, uh, peculiarities of Americanisms? And, you know, because, I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of languages that are grammatical, I mean, gender-based, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, and time-based. Mm-hmm. And here, English has absolutely none of that, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking Hebrew. I grew up learning English and Hebrew, and Hebrew is male-female and so many different tenses. And so you have to actually remember exactly what goes with what, how you're saying and everything. And then you look at English, it's like, how do I say that? Well, there isn't an equivalent. Yeah. And so a lot of people, when you're looking at the vernacular, what do you do and how do you say it? Sometimes you need to go back to your mother tongue. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes an issue also that we further complicate, like Daniel was saying, multiple levels of uh, intelligence where you get into that question, well, who are you really trying to reach? It does, yeah. You know, if I was trying to reach a certain demographic, I might, you know, phrase my money like that because I know that they would, they wouldn't notice that the other people that I might be trying to not reach would notice It depends on what your people do. Okay, so here's another one. Let's go back to dollars for a second. (laughs) Something is $100. Is it $100? $100 is just as good. Depends on your market. (laughs) And, you know, the, the, the image that you're trying to, you know, create about you. So, you know, it's something that you would consider. Do you feel dollars and bucks would be one of those differentiators, though, that would make you feel less about someone? Again, I'm trying to understand the slang because we know dollars and bucks has been, for years, it's been synonymous. But at what point do we start feeling that the word bucks diminishes somebody's level from yeah, that's a good question. Dollars. I don't know. It might, you know, it might depend on the position that the other person has. 
you know, they were, you know a CEO of a big company, I don't expect him to talk about bucks. Okay. But in the right context, maybe he would and it would be fine. I don't know. It, it, Absolutely. Fair situational. enough. See, here's another example. Years ago, I was told, don't ever call a police officer a cop. That they hate it. But then you started hearing police officers referring to themselves as cops. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of blur the line then, you know, because originally cop was a term that the criminals used to describe the officers. And it was meant as a derogatory term, not as a member of law enforcement and somebody that we should um, respect and what have you. And so you get into that same question, all right, so you're working with the cops or you're working with the police. Is there a difference in that? Again, it goes to, like you were just saying, I would imagine, what the other person is feeling as they're saying it. But there's a lot of these terms, though, that are out there that it's just, well, maybe it's the way that the person who's receiving it then has that internal emotion when they read or see a word. So when we see you're welcome, Y-O-U-R, even though we're (laughs) saying we have to dismiss it, is that still something, though, that we are allowed to be upset about? Or is that something that we kind of have to take it and roll with the punches, given the way that language and everything seems to be changing? Yeah, kind of depends on context, I guess. I mean, for myself, anyway. Um, Most of the time, I just put up with it. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. And yet, if it was somebody who was, you know, clearly uh, in a higher position than I am, probably socioeconomically, I would see it and I would think something about them. Whereas if it was spelled correctly, I wouldn't think anything other than thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's. So again, I guess this goes back then to spell check. Forget auto check, because Y O U R is still spelled correctly. Yes, right? And so if somebody is using spell check just to confirm that everything goes through, look, I mean, if you look at published books, and I don't mean the books that we've published. I mean, books that have gone through layers and layers of copy editors, and then there's publishers, and there's all sorts of people who are proofing a work before it goes to print. Mm -hmm. And then you end up seeing some of these spelling mistakes and other errors, because the spell check didn't pick it up. And no matter how many times you're reading it, the brain is wired that you don't necessarily look at every single letter to read a word. You look at the first and the last letters. And if it's a longer word, some of the letters in the middle and you, your brain naturally just pieces it together. It's a natural puzzle solve. Yeah. And so you kind of run then the question, am I really reading every single piece? And does that make a difference? You know, like you were saying, if somebody higher up, you know, and I'm just going to throw out a name, and it's not that he misspells anything, but Bill Gates. If Bill Gates were to reach out to you and it were to say Y O U R, 
instead of Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, is that going to be something that would be a negative? Or would you simply say, Spellcheck probably picked it up, but he was in a rush, and that's what happened? That's probably one of those situations where I would think something about him. And I don't know, take him down just a teeny bit. <laughs> I'd probably give somebody the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, they were probably typing too fast. Well, I would but say that, but it... I do that a lot too. So I, I gotta be nice to myself too. <laughs> yeah. I would still think something. Yeah. And so as we think about what it is that we're typing, that we're writing, that we're saying, there's a lot of things that we're conveying by the way that we actually convey our words, whether it's written or verbal, or even body language, uh, conveys a lot as well. And there's, I guess you can say some slang as it relates to body language too, based on exactly how you're sitting, how you're looking, how you're walking, talking, et cetera. And so as you think about what you're doing in your daily lives, what is it that you have found that is making that change? What is it that is driving you batty? What is it that is making you think this is the end of the language, whatever language it may be, because I'm sure it's not only in English that these kinds of things are happening? And so as we look at what it is that we're doing, think about, though, who your audience is and how they may be taking what it is that you're writing or saying and figure out, is it going to be a positive, a negative, or indifference to you and their impression? Remember, especially if it's your first impression, you never have a chance to make a good first impression after you messed up the first one. So you want to just work on that and see exactly where you go. And on that note, this has been another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters, and here's to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews. So if you loved what you just heard, consider leaving us a review. And even if you don't, I'm sure you already did, but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Sharing is caring and here's to your success. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. It's the bottom line that matters.